Father, this morning we just pause this, our worship service and we just say that you are holy. God, that we, we, we bless you this morning and we praise you, God, for who you are, God, and who you'll always be. God, this morning we, we pause and we just we reflect on, on all your goodness and, and your mercy and your grace that you've just shown us every single day of, every single day of our life. And God, we just say this morning, we, just, we bless you and we, we worship you this morning. God, I thank you that you're not a God that just saves us and then just lets us do life, but God, that you're actively involved in our life and that there is a day where we can wait, where our hope, where we can hope and have faith that you are coming back for us again and we can have an eternal relationship with you. So Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for who you are this morning. In your son's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Well, church, you can be seated this morning. Well, how is everybody doing? Awesome. Everyone's doing good. Glad to hear it. I, um, for those of you who are, might be a new guest to us this morning uh, here at North Florida, maybe you've been hanging out with us for a couple of weeks. I want to take the time to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Logan George. I'm the student ministries pastor here at North Florida Baptist Church. And uh, I personally just want to welcome you. Thank you uh, for coming. Uh, thank you for choosing. We know that there's, a, there's, five other, there's 500 other churches that you can come and worship at this morning, but you chose to come and worship with us. And we do not take that lightly. So we just want I want to thank you for coming and being our guests. And as uh, Pastor Josh mentioned earlier, Pastor Tommy, uh, myself, and Pastor Josh will be down here uh, at the bottom of the service. And if you have not gotten a chance to get to know one of us, we would love to get to know you. Take that time. And I would personally like to get to know you as well. Well, um, as, you can, as you can see, and as I just introduced myself, I am not Pastor Fayez. Uh, Pastor Fayez was unable to be here this morning, but he did ask me that uh, I would let you know that he, that he is thinking of you this morning, that he loves you. Uh, him and Kim and the family are at home, but uh, he will be back next Sunday and he will continue his series in Titus, which by the way, I don't know about y'all, but last week was super convicting for me. Uh, that was like in depth. I was not planning on being, oh, I guess I should plan on being super convicted like in church, but that morning, that Sunday, I don't know what it was. I was just like, yeah, we're in church and man, the Holy Spirit got me last week. So uh, I'm super excited uh, for picking back up next week. But if you will join me this morning uh, in the book of James, uh, you can join me in the book of James and uh, we're going to start in James chapter 1 and we're going to skip verse 1 and just because I think it's cool to do that and we're going to start in verse 2. But before as you're turning there I kind of want to give you a little bit of heads up of what we're going to be talking about. The book of James is one of those books to me that every time you read it no matter how long you've been in church no matter how many times or how many years you've walked with Christ James this is that book where I don't know if my mic just turned off but can y'all hear me okay? Okay I Go off? Yes, no? Okay, all right, we're going to keep going. Uh, thank you. Uh, James is one of those books where it just, it, it hammers you every time, right? Anyone ever read through the book of James before? I read through it one time and man, I was like, hey, I read through all five chapters in like five minutes and I was like, man, Holy Spirit, I am a good reader. And then I very, very, really quickly realized, I went back and read James chapter one and I said, man, I probably need to slow down. Uh, it's not, uh, there's a lot more in here, a lot more packed into this book than I, than, and I need to let it apply to my life. So we're going to start in James chapter Chapter one, and and I hope that uh, the Holy Spirit speaks something uh, special to the, to us this morning. So James chapter one verse two, it says this. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So let's stop and let's hang out here for a second. It says right here at the beginning of James uh, uh, verse two, it says, count it all what joy. Now, church, if I could just ask you really quick, when you hear that word joy, what 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 comes to mind for you? 
we're probably thinking that we're, it's a happy time, right? When we're joy, I don't, I don't know many joyous people that just kind of are, you know, well, how are you today? I'm joyful. You know, I don't, I don't know many people. And if you are like that, we probably need to talk after service. I'll be down here. But uh, when, when we think of that word joy, we're, there's, there's a happy moment. Probably for some of us, we think of a, of a monumental moment in our life. Maybe that, that brought us joy, whether that was maybe you, when we got married or when you got engaged or if you had a child. Um, those are moments where we should be happy. Maybe it was when you finally got that job that you had wanted or, or maybe you finally got that, that one thing that you've been saving up for. I don't know what that is, uh, Indy and I, or we're, we're in the, we actually are in, under contract for a home. And so we thought that this was going to be a joyous process of buying a home. Um, it has not been as joyous as I thought it would be. It's, it's felt more like a trial, but we are happy that it's almost over. So just stay with me for a second. But we, we think of, we think of think, when we think of joy, it's usually moments where we are happy. But this word joy in the Greek is this word called kara, which it literally means, go figure, to, to, to be happy or to be glad. And church, what I find interesting this morning is look at what the word says that we are to be joyful about. It says that we are to be joyful when we meet trials of various kinds. Now, I don't know about you, but has there ever been a moment in your life where something went really, really, where something didn't go the way it was supposed to? Or maybe times got difficult and we were just happy about it? Has anyone ever been happy when times have been difficult? Man, I, I don't know right here that this, this brings some pause to me because I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a time where I have been happy about going through something hard. I, I don't know if there's, if I know of anyone that has been in my family that has been happy about having to go through something hard. There's something about when we hit adversity. There's something about when we have to go through a trial that there's something that we just don't look forward to, right? Now, maybe there's that competitiveness is, hey, hey man, I'm going to beat this thing. But there's probably some part along the way where we don't get super excited or happy about it. But church, what I find interesting this morning and, and maybe what will be brought to our attention in just a few moments is, is that what James is talking about isn't necessarily the type of hard time uh, that you and I are thinking of. When we hear trials, we think of, man, we're about to go through a difficult season. We think of maybe a competition. We think of certain things that are, that's going to be hard and difficult. But what James is talking about is actually something completely different. What trials here means for us this morning is what James is hinting at is he is actually talking about the moments where you and I have to deal with temptation and with sin. Sounds a little bit different, doesn't it? Has a little bit of a different ring to it. James is saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds or when you are tempted with sin. Church, this morning, we have to understand something that when we deal with sin, dealing with temptations of sin is a trial. Because when we have to understand that sin is just not something that we can just mess around with and play around with. Sin is not something that we can just say, hey, let's just take it lightly. Oh, I sinned today, God, I'm sorry. But I, I've walked with you for years and I know, you're mer I know you're strong. I know you're bigger than sin. I know you're more powerful. I know that I've, ex I've made the decision to allow you to come into my heart and forgive me. And I know that your blood covers all of that. But there are still times we are going to be tempted with sin. And church, we have to understand that sin is a deep root. It's not something that we just can mess around and take lightly. It's something that is deep. It is when we were born, we were born to be sinful. It's something that is in us. It's something that completely separates us with something, uh, it separates us from the character of God. 
And church, when we have to realize, when we accept Jesus into our lives, I don't understand why we sometimes get to this place where when we accept Jesus, we think that life is going to be better. We think that life is going to be easier. We think that life sometimes is going to just magically all come together. And and I wish that it would, but the truth and the reality is, is that when we accept Jesus into our lives, of those that have walked with Jesus for years now understand that it becomes what? Harder. Walking with Jesus is not always fun. It's not always easy. It becomes hard. Because what happens is is that there is this internal battle between our flesh and the spirit. And they're two completely different things that that war against each other every single second of the day. And there are so many sin issues that can be thrown at us in a matter of just a moment. But see, there's a process for us. There's a way that we should be able to approach this temptation of sin. And the best example that I can think of this morning is in the, is in the book of Luke chapter 4. So if you'll turn your Bibles over there with me. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And it'll be up on the screen. Luke chapter 4 verses 1 through 13. And it reads and it says this. It says, In Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness. Verse two says, and for 40 days being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. Now, hold on really quick. We're going to point out being full of the Holy Spirit. That's really important. We'll come back to that later. But I don't know about you, but I can't go with about maybe like two hours about not eating. Um, 40 days right here. Yes. 40 days uh, right there. Yes, Jesus, you got it. I can't. I can't do that. But, but look at what it says. It says this. It says, and when they, uh, excuse me, and when, when they were, yes, there we go. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Yes, yes, Jesus, I would think that you'd be hungry by 40 days. Verse 3 says, then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Verse 4, and when Jesus answered him, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5. And when the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and I will give all their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. That's interesting. Verse seven, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Verse eight, and Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, him being the devil. He took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And Jesus replied back and said, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Verse 12 says, and Jesus answered him and he said, it shall, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. And when the devil has ended up, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, I know we just read 13 verses really, really fast, but right here we read the three temptations that Satan threw at Jesus. He tempted him to eat, he tempted him to be the earthly king, and he tempted him to be caught by angels. Church, I don't know about you, but Jesus had been fat. He was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He had already, the Bible is already clear that he was hungry. Imagine for for a second how physically weak Jesus must have been in that moment. For Satan to come to you and say, hey, Jesus, 
I know, you, I know you're in the wilderness. I know you're doing your thing, but I know you're hungry. Here's some bread. I'll tell you what, if that was a zebra cake, I would have been done. Like that right there, I'm done. Give me the Oreo, zebra cake, I'm done, I'm eating. And I would have failed right there. But he didn't do it. He asked him to be the earthly king. He literally tempted the most powerful person to ever walk in the face of the earth to be the earthly king. Imagine that for a second. If Satan were to come to us this morning, he were to come to you and say, hey, here's every kingdom in the world. How would you respond? Bow down to me. You can have all the power. You can have everything that you want, but bow down to me right now. How would you respond? Jesus responds back and he says, no, but the third temptation that Jesus was, was to be caught by angels, which was a, a, a temptation of a demonstration of power. Satan trying to tempt Jesus of saying, hey, I am more powerful than you. But church, what I find interesting this morning is, is that through the three temptations that we just read, the three experiences that Jesus had, Jesus didn't do it. He didn't fall one time. He didn't think about it for one second. I asked just a few seconds ago how you would respond because more than likely, I know myself, I'm at least going to think about it, right? I'm going to weigh my options. I'm going to figure out if this is something that might be a good idea or not for me to do. But Jesus didn't do that. He, the Bible says that he didn't, it gives no indication that he entertained it, that he thought about it. Jesus immediately denounced it and responded by speaking the word back to him. He responded. He, how, how did he overcome these temptations? He paused because he did not rely on himself. He did not rely on his flesh. He did not rely on his experience, but he relied on the Spirit. It said at the beginning that he was full of the Spirit. That is so important because Jesus relied on the Spirit to get him through. And right here, Jesus gives us the perfect example of how to live the Christian life and overcome temptation with sin. Right here. To rely on God, to rely on the Spirit, and to know the Word. If we want to approach dealing with sin correctly, it is imperative for us to rely on the Spirit and to know the Word. You with me this morning? Rely on the Spirit and to know the Word. And in church, if I'm honest this morning, that is a struggle for us. It is a struggle for us to rely on the Spirit. It is a struggle for us to sometimes get a disciplined lifestyle grounded in the word. Because for some of us, if you are like me, you, you rely on your experience with your walk with Jesus ra rather than relying on what the written word says. So many of us struggle with being in, this, in a relationship with God because we never give God our full access to our lives because for some of us, we might love control. Anyone struggle with control in here this morning? giving things up. I've been there. For others, we, we, we struggle with, with relying on the Spirit and knowing the Word because having a relationship with God is hard. It's not always easy like we talked about before. Because maybe for some of us, we don't spend time in the Word. We struggle with this relationship with God because we don't understand what His Word says we're like. We don't understand what, how He thinks about things. We don't understand how to react to situations because we don't spend time understanding how we are to approach certain situations with Christ. And right here, we completely miss it because Jesus is in the same spot that James is talking about. 
in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a, of a temptation. Jesus' response wasn't just to say, okay, hey, this, this is too much for me. His response was to combat Satan by speaking the word and relying on the spirit. Speaking the word and relying on the spirit. But James doesn't stop there in verse two. He, he goes back to uh, verse three and he says this. He says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Keep in mind this theme that James is talking about is he's talking about the testing of your faith going through trials. When we are tested, it produces steadfastness. Now, steadfastness for me, I, I immediately begin to ask, well, what is steadfastness? And that word translates in the Greek, it translates to the word patience. I don't know about you, I, when I was younger, I used to, I, ha, I heard a message about patience one time and I said, okay, God, that's cool. I'm going to ask for patience. Worst mistake of my life. I, 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 that was, I was not a fan of that, but it, it, steadfastness translates into patience. But if you do a little bit more of a word study, patience goes a little bit deeper. Patience translates to the word endurance. So what James is saying here is that, hey, Young, uh, believer, young follower of Jesus, when your faith is being tested, there is an active work, there is a process that uh, there's a process for you to produce endurance in your walk with Christ. There is a process for you to mature and grow in Jesus, and there is a response on our end that we must give. There is a continual work to do something, a continual work to depend on the Holy Spirit. A perfect example of this is, um, I, I, for those of you that know me, I, I grew up here. I, I went to school here. Uh, I, I grew up in Tallahassee. And, and while I was in school here, I played, I played football. And while I was playing football, the, the, the approach of an athlete is kind of the same approach that we can think about when we, when we approach temptations with sin. I'll never forget when it became uh, season time. And Ricky, you'll remember this because you would get in your car and you would, you'd make me run faster. Um, We'll, we'll talk about it after service. I still got the memories. No, I'm not, not a fan, by the way. Still remember. Uh, but, when, 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 but when you're an athlete and when you get to that, t when it becomes season time, there, there's a process that you have to go, to, you have to go through. When I, I'll never forget when I was playing ball, I, would, I immediately had to stop drinking sweet tea. Uh, I, when I was playing, when I was a senior in high school, I was six foot two and I was 315 pounds. I mean, like I was just a massive human being. And the problem was I love sweet tea and, and sweets and all that. I, I just loved it all. But I'll, I'll never forget my se uh, going into the season. I always had to go through this process of getting, of getting right because here's the, here's the deal with an athlete. An athlete will never be able to reach its full potential if the athlete can never finish the game, right? You'll never be able to reach your full potential if it can never finish the game. And in order to finish the game, the athlete has to go through a process. He has to work out. I had to work out. You have to get stronger. You have to build muscle. You have to get in shape. You got to learn how to breathe properly. You got to go. You have to learn how to keep pushing and go the extra mile when it gets hard and you don't feel like you can keep going. You have to be in shape. You need the proper condition. You need to, in order to beat that opponent and overcome who you're playing against. You got to figure out the mental side. You got to get right mentally to know that nothing will be able to break you down. Nothing will be able to wear you out. You're going to have to go and finish the game because in order to achieve the goal, that's what you have to do. You have to learn how to rely on your teammates to get the job done. 
And sometimes even when we lose, we understand that he's still our teammate and we got to be there. Eventually, the hard work will pay off. There's a process that you have to go through to be able to achieve the goal, which is to win the game. And church this morning, the same is when we face trials of various kinds, when we reach with sin. We should embrace trials with various kinds, as James says, with joy, because it shows us three things. It shows us, it reveals sin in our heart. It shows us that we can rely on Jesus as our Savior to lead us through. And it gives us an opportunity to live life with the help of the Holy Spirit. And he encourages us, and he encourages us to keep going. And no matter what, he's still by our side. Every single time, he's still by our side. Church, Josh, I'm going to go and ask you to come up for, for a quick second. Church, I know I've been a little all over the place this morning, but I think James has a truth for us, and it's this, is that life with Jesus can get hard. We, we come with this expectation that when, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we have this expectation at times and where life might get easier, where life might get, maybe it's not as hard, but unfortunately, that's just not the truth. Sometimes when we get in relationships with Jesus, there's, there's going to be disappointments. Life is going to happen. Things are going to be hard. Things are going to be tough. But what we studied this morning and what we can find and what we can grab a hold of this morning through reading Jesus's story with in Luke and what we can see here in James is, is this, is that when you and I come into a relationship with Jesus, we have a promise. Well, there's two promises. We have a promise and an eternal hope of salvation. And we have a promise that we have a helpmate, which is the Holy Spirit. We have eternal salvation and we have the Holy Spirit. And church, I don't know where you're at this morning in your walk. I don't know what life looks like in every single one of your individual lives. I wish I did, but I don't. But I know that, it can, that each and every one of us can be going through something. I know that life doesn't always happen the way that we want it to. I know that there might be disappointments. I know that there might be hurt, there might be pain. There might be suffering. And church, our challenge this morning is this, is that we would approach it with joy because when we approach trials with joy, it gives us an opportunity to look and be more like Christ. To look like Him. When we're dealing with sin, to look like Him, to, to, not, to deny the flesh and to embrace the cross. And our encouragement this morning is this, is that you don't have to do that alone. Because the gospel promises us that we don't have to live a life to where it's based off of our own works and our own merit. It's not a life where we have to, to, to please Jesus by how good we do each and every day. Jesus is pleased with us because when God looks at us, he sees his, he sees his son in us, he sees his son's blood that's covered all of our sins. We don't have to worry about uh, pleasing God through our performance. The blood of Jesus covers that. But I don't know about you, but there might be someone that's like me where you reach a trial, you reach a moment in sin, you reach a temptation with sin, and you struggle. And church, I want to encourage you, and I want to remind you this morning that the Spirit is here. 
that he's with you every single day, no matter where you're at, no matter how close you are with God, no matter how far you are from God. His spirit is here. And he's here to encourage you. He's here to equip equip you. He's here to give you the tools and to lead you back to the remembrance of the cross and to help guide you through every situation, no matter good or bad, and to remind you that you can approach that situation with joy because it helps you look more like Christ. So will you bow your heads and will you pray with me for a moment? And I just want to lead us into a quick time of response. And I just have a few questions for you. My first one is this, is how do you approach temptation with sin? Is it something that you just shrug off your shoulders and say, oh, okay, well, God, I messed up, forgive me. Or do you look at it as an opportunity to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus? Because church, if that's you, I wanna give us an opportunity to repent and ask the Holy Spirit for not allowing us to look at temptations the way that Jesus would allow us to look at them, but that he would give us an opportunity and the ability to look at temptations with joy because it's an opportunity to look like him. So can you do that just right there in your seat for a second? My second question for us this morning is, is, are you allowing the work of Jesus to show you more things that you need to work on? Are you allowing the spirit to continually convict you or is your heart shut off from him? Because church, Jesus doesn't want us to stay stagnant. His plan for us isn't just to accept him and then to be done, but his, his plan for us is to continually grow and mature in relationship with him. So will you ask him this morning to help you grow more in relationship with him, to give you a desire to grow into his word, to give you a desire to, and to help you to rely more on his spirit. And then my last question for us this morning is, is are you doing this Christian life alone? church, I want to remind you this morning, one of the promises that Jesus gives us is that he gives us a helpmate. He gives us the Holy Spirit that we talked about a few moments ago. And he's here this morning and he wants to do life with you. He wants to give you the tools to be able to, uh, and to, to be able to do life with Jesus. He wants to be able to give you and equip you to be the man, to be the woman that God has called you to be. So if you have been doing life alone, will you just repent? And then I want to encourage you to ask him to help you. God, this morning we pause and we just say thank you. God, we say that we love you. God, we thank you that, that, you're, that, that we thank you for your salvation. But God, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that we can, we can now approach temptations. We can now approach sin. We can approach hard times in life as a joy because, God, it is an opportunity of growth rather than an opportunity for us to feel sorry for ourselves. And, God, I ask you that you would help us with that. God, I ask you that you would help us like you, like, like you dealt with Satan, God, that you would help us to rely on the Spirit and to know the Word. 
God, help us to be a church that relies on you in everything that we do. God, help us to be a people that doesn't just rely on our experience or rely on our performance or rely on our own self-worth or our own merit, but God, help us to be a people that rely on your spirit and the work that you have done in our hearts. Help us with that, Jesus. God, help us to be a people that, that shows, that shows our, our city how to do life with you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be with us and help us do that. Help us to be a people that is continually growing in you and that will continue allowed to work in our lives. In your precious son's name we pray.